friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. now ready to go to God's Word. Um, could you please rise from your seats? And we will be reading one verse, Philippians 4, verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Our Father, we just give you thanks and praise for this Saturday morning, O oh God, we thank you that in spite of the fiesta that is ongoing this weekend, we can still gather and worship you. We thank you, O oh Lord, that uh, people in various churches are, as well are able to continue their worship gatherings. And Lord, this morning we pray for your special blessing upon us. Please anoint your word, O oh God, so that our time together might be fruitful. We ask the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us in a very special way. Speak specifically, Lord, to our hearts. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled this morning sermon, Joy and Peace Through Obedience. Now, in this single verse that you and I will be studying, we will be taking a look at what we are supposed to do if you and I are going to have a life of peace and joy. Now, our sermon today, based on the verse of Scripture that we will be studying, can actually be broken down into three parts. So there's going to be three points, and I'd like to be able to use the word or the letter P beginning uh, the word. And so, first of all, we will be taking a look at preaching, letter P, preaching, Paul's teaching, and demonstration. Then we will be taking a look at the practice, what we need to do. And then thirdly, we will be taking a look at the promise. So what you and I will receive when we practice what is taught by Paul. All right? So we'll begin with the first one, which is preaching. And here we will be talking about Paul's teaching and demonstration. Now, Paul was a great apostle of God. He was a great teacher of the Lord. And obviously, in his mind, he had a curriculum. Now, this is not, of course, a formal curriculum of how to impart spiritual principles. But this curriculum actually is helpful in making us live fruitful lives, lives that would bring about peace and joy as well in our lives. So here we find in verse 9 what Paul says. This is his biblical curriculum. And so he gives us a list. And here's what he says. The things you have learned, all right? So that's the first thing, learned. Then it says received. And then it says heard. And then finally seen in me, all right? So that is the biblical curriculum of Paul. So let's begin with the first word that we shared this morning. The first word is the word learned. Say learn, please. 
All right? Now, in this particular case, Paul expounds on the deep mysteries of the Word of God. There are many things, of course, that are difficult for us to understand as far as the Bible is concerned. And so what Paul does is he expounds, he amplifies on these truths to bring about clarity so that we can understand the truth of God and that that might develop in our hearts a great passion. Now, when Paul expounds on the deep mysteries of God's Word, this speaks of intellectual apprehension of God's Word. So, can you please say this? Intellectual apprehension of God's Word. And so, the mind plays a very important role in our uh, church and uh, spiritual development. And so, again... Uh, here we find Paul instructing the mind. And so it's very important that our minds get instructed so that, again, we can produce fruit in our lives. Now, after that, it says here, received. So the people here receive these teachings, which speaks of their response. Now, this speaks of moral approval. Say moral approval, please. All right? So it's not enough that we agree mentally to what is being taught. We have to receive them. We have to approve them. We have to embrace them in our lives. Because if it merely remains in our minds, then it's not going to help us. So we have got to be able to approve what is being taught to us. Now notice here, Paul also says, heard, which speaks of Paul's direct ministry to them face to face. So they did not learn these lessons from Paul through the internet, through live streaming, or through a book. They learned it face to face, all right? So Paul was instructing them in regard to the Word of God. And finally, it says, seen. And what does this indicate? Well, this indicates that uh, the Word of God, as taught by Paul, was demonstrated by him. In other words, he practiced what he preached. And so Paul was not just a teacher who was merely imparting spiritual truths and principles to people. He was somebody who practiced and obeyed what he was teaching and sharing to the people. And I think that's very important because... In truth, unless we model the Word of God to other people, they will not really learn. As somebody once said, there are certain things that are better caught than taught. And so how we catch certain things is by the demonstration of God's Word. Let me just share to you a little illustration. Now, the Christian walk of Will Houghton a preacher who became the president of Bible, um, sorry, of Moody Bible Institute during the 1940s, played a great role in the conversion of an agnostic. Now, of course, an agnostic is somebody um, who believes that there is a God, but an agnostic believes that God cannot be known. And so, at this particular time, this agnostic was already contemplating suicide, wanted to kill himself. But he told himself that if I am able to see somebody who actually practices what he preaches, I'm willing to listen to that person. 
And so here's what happened with this agnostic. What he did was he hired a private investigator. All right? So this is a little extreme, of course. So he hired a private investigator to look at the life of Will Houghton, to observe him, how he conducts himself on a day-to-day basis. And of course, the private investigator concluded that this man, Will Houghton, was not a fake. He was a genuine Christian. He lived out his life as he practiced it. And the result of that is that this agnostic started to attend the church of Will Houghton. And of course, later on, he became converted. And after he became converted, he sent his very own daughter to Moody Bible Institute. Now, that's what I mean. It's not enough that we simply know what the truth of God's Word is. We have to be able to teach it, but we also have to be able to practice it as well. It is only then that we will be able to portray a testimony that will be convincing to other people. And so they will probably take a look at the merits of our faith on the basis of the good testimony and good conduct that we are able to show. Now, Paul followed the example of Ezra. Ezra, of course, is one of those uh, scribes who came out of the exile, and he was a great expositor of God's Word. And this is what we find out in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Could you please take a look at Ezra 7, verse 10? It says here, For Ezra had set his heart, number one, to study the law of the Lord. Number two, what does it say here? To practice it. And then finally, to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Now, I believe that this is how we're supposed to do it chronologically. First of all, we have to study God's Word. And this is exactly what Ezra was doing. He studied God's Word. He meditated on God's Word. He tried to determine the sense of what the Scriptures were trying to say. But right after that, he practiced what he had studied. And only then did he have the confidence to be able to teach it to people. But you know what? Sometimes what happens is, Even pastors and preachers reverse the order. Instead of, first of all, studying the Word of God and then practicing it and then teaching it, what happens is a lot of ministers of God usually just teach it, but they don't practice it. And sometimes the reason why they don't practice it is because they're not studying it really well. So we cannot reverse the order. So first of all, we have to study it. Second, we have to practice it. And then thirdly, that's the time we can teach it. And so the practice of God's Word is very, very important. By the way, not only to preachers of God's Word, it is important for all of us believers in Christ. Now, Paul saw the importance of modeling the Word of God. And as I mentioned to you, modeling the Word of God should not be left to ministers alone. Each and every one of us should actually model God's Word. Most especially if we understand that there are some people who are actually following us. On the level of the family, for example, 
the ones that follow us would be our own children. Or if you are a grandparent, your grandchildren would be following your example as well. Of course, your spouse would likewise be following your example. So we are all leaders to a certain extent. We are all people who are responsible in modeling the Christian life to other people. Because if we do not do that, well, the thing that will happen is they will listen more to what we do rather than what we say. And I think it's very important that we model our lives before people. There was a father and son who were walking along the beach one day. And so the man was, was walking and the, the son was following at the back. And what the son did was, you know, of course, in the beach you have the, the footprints or the foot tracks. And what the child would do is he would step on the footprints or the foot tracks of his father. And finally, he called the attention of his father and said, Dad, look at what I'm doing. I'm stepping on your footprints. And somehow, there was a realization on the part of the father. First of all, he realized that he had to slow down so that his son could follow at his pace. Secondly, he learned or he realized that this is exactly what my son will be doing for the rest of his life. He will be following my footsteps. And with that realization, he made this decision, he made this resolution in his heart that he would be a good model to his son, to his children. And I think that is very important for us to likewise uh, do in our lives as well. There was an unknown author who wrote this. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the self-same way. Not once can I escape his eyes like me, he says, he's going to be. That little chap who follows me, whatever he sees me do, he tries. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm molding for the years to be that little chap who follows me. Isn't that so wonderful? That is so true, my dear brothers and sisters. We are responsible for the lives that we live. And sometimes we fail to realize that we are actually an influence to other people. We actually uh, bring an impact in other people's lives. Whether we like it or not, there are some people who are actually looking up to us. And so as Christians, if we are not modeling the Christian life to them, then they will be following our wrong ways. They will go astray. And you and I know that we are flawed people. And that is why we really need the grace of God in this matter. We really need to pray to the Lord, and we really need to study God's Word and practice it in our lives so that those who look up to us, those who are following us, might have an example of how it is that we live our lives. Now, 
as soon as we hear the preaching, here's the second thing we need to do. We need to practice it. And that's why Paul says here, practice these things. The things you have learned, the things you have received, the things you have seen in me, practice these things. Now, Paul wanted the Philippian believers to obey and follow what he had preached and what he had demonstrated to them and which they consequently approved. Because after all, uh, what the book of James says is, Be ye doers of God's word. Be ye not hearers merely of God's word, but be ye doers of the word of God. So it's not enough to listen to God's word. I'm so thankful to God that there are a lot of people who do get to listen to our preaching in our live streaming. And I was taking a look at our Facebook account. In our live streaming in the morning, Sunday morning, there are more than 1,000 people who listen to us on a Sunday morning. And then I also discovered that when we did live streaming in the afternoon, it even got better. I think the last time around, um, we had 2,400 people listening to us. Now, this is all over the world. And they make known where they are listening. Some listen from Cyprus. Some listen from, from New Zealand, Australia, the United Kingdom. So they're making it known where they are listening to God's Word. And I'm so, I'm so thankful to God that we have this opportunity to be able to spread the Word of God to as many people as possible. But you see, I, I'm not content with the fact that people do get to listen to us. My hope and my prayer, of course, is that as they listen to the Word of God, they would obey it. As they listen to the Word of God, they would practice it. And that is also my hope and my prayer for all of us who attend every Saturday and every Sunday, that when you listen to God's Word, you're not simply gathering information. You're not merely gathering intellectual input. My prayer to God is that you get to practice what you learn here every weekend. And that is my prayer for you, because the truth of the matter is, unless you practice what is being taught to you on weekends, it's not going to help you. It's not going to cause you to grow. It's not going to cause you to bear fruit. It is not going to help your marriage. It is not going to help your families. It's not going to help you in your own individual life. And that is why my appeal to you is that as you listen to God's Word, I hope that you practice what you are learning in the passages that we expound to you Sunday after Sunday or weekend after weekend. We need to practice what has been preached to us. Now, it's quite interesting when you take a look at the word practice here. It comes from the Greek word prasete, and it is actually an imperative. All right? We are being commanded here by the Word of God to follow what is being taught to us. So again, it is an imperative. This is not an optional. So the moment we listen to the Word of God, we are now responsible to follow exactly what it is telling us or what we are being taught. Not only that, it is also in the present tense. So not only is it a command, 
but the present tense indicates that it's not something that we just practice every now and then. We need to practice it continually. So this is a Monday to Sunday thing. We don't just practice the Word of God the moment we hear about it and then forget about it the following day. No, the Bible is telling us that as soon as we learn something, we need to be able to practice it every day of our lives. And so, again, when we practice what is preached to us, it will impact those who are around us. I'd like to read to you a moving poem by Joy Jacobs, which expressed her reflections on her mother. And I think she wrote this down when her mother was in surgery. And this was what she recalled that her mother went to the operating room without fear. And she was thinking only of something that she could say to turn the minds of those around her to the living Lord. So can you imagine this? She was going to be wheeled to the operating table, but she's not really concerned so much about what's going to happen to her. What she is concerned about is maybe being able to share to the nurses or to the doctors who were attending to her. That was her concern. And Joy, her daughter, admitted that there had been a time when she was actually embarrassed by her mother's plain clothes and constant words of witness for Christ. Now, sometimes when, when it comes to the children, when the parents are very aggressive in the sharing of the gospel, they get embarrassed with that. And Joy admitted that she was embarrassed with the bold witnessing of her mother. But she said that this was no longer true. Now she wrote, I would not trade her for a queen. And she closed with a prayer. This is a wonderful prayer. The prayer goes, O Father, if it be your will, spare her to me yet a little while. I need to learn so many things. Kindness, patience, love, and her life teaches me so well. That's exactly what happens, my dear brothers and sisters, when we practice the Word of God. Sometimes we're not even aware that people are watching us. Sometimes we're not aware that people are observing our responses, our reactions. And those are the things that are embedded in their memories more than the teaching of God's Word. You know, the teaching of God's Word, we learn about it, but you know, after a few weeks, after a few months, we, we tend to forget that. But you see, what lasts long in the memories of people is the pictures of life, the pictures of reality that they see in us. That is why, again, we have to be responsible with our conduct. Our conduct is very important. So learning is important, but the practice of it is likewise equally important. Now that brings us to the last point. So you have the preaching, you have the practice, and thirdly, you have the promise. What you and I will receive when we practice what is being taught 
here in the Scriptures. Now, what did the Lord Jesus Christ say? He said that we are blessed if we keep His commandments. Now, how many here want to be blessed by the Lord? Raise your hands, please. All right. We all want to be blessed. And sometimes, it is just so very basic. If you want the blessing of God, the way to the blessing of God is merely to obey the Scriptures of God. Let me just tell you this. When you and I disobey God's Word, it is a sign of a lack of trust in the Lord. And remember last weekend, I was sharing the fact that sometimes people do the shortcuts. And the reason why people do the shortcuts is because they are unable to trust the Lord that God would keep His promises. And sometimes the problem with people is they can't wait upon the Lord. They can't wait upon the promises of God being fulfilled. So what do they do? They do shortcuts in their lives. And you know what? The result of that is in the end, we would not be blessed. In the end, our ways would be repaid. If we sow bad things, then we will reap bad things as well. If we sow good things in our lives, however, we will also reap good things. And that is why in our lives, we need to invest in planting good things in our lives. We need to invest by obeying the Lord. You see, that is an investment worth getting into. And sad to say, people are investing sometimes not in the good things, but people are investing in the bad things. They stray away from God's Word. They do not fulfill the Word of God. They do not obey God's will. And of course, there are consequences later on in life. And that is why Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us, you want blessing in your life? Well, the way to blessing in your life is if you obey God's Word. Now again, let us remind ourselves that what we have in the Word of God is the perfect wisdom of God. It cannot get any better than that. The wisdom of God is perfect. And that is why we would be foolish, we would be stupid, stupid, we would be idiots, actually, if you and I do not obey God's Word. So again, if we want blessing, we have to obey the Word of God. What is the promise of the Lord here? The promise here, if we obey God's Word, is this. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So, you and I know when people are obeying the Lord. You know, one of the things that I will show to you later on is that peace is actually an indicator of our spiritual lives. And I will show that to you in a bit. But we go to the premise of the practice of God's Word, God's presence, and His peace. Now, let me just share to you what the greatly loved Bible teacher, Henrietta Mears, knew the secret of true freedom, and she wanted her students to know it too. With young people in mind, this is what she said. A bird is free in the air. Place a bird in the water. 
and the bird has lost its liberty. A fish is free in the water, but leave the bird on the sand and the bird perishes. He is out of his realm. So young people, the Christian is free when he does the will of God and is obedient to God's command. This is, this is as natural a realm for God's child as the water is for fish or the air is for the bread. And by the way, this freedom in the Christian life is manifest, manifested by a life of peace and joy. That's how you know that you are experiencing the freedom of God. And by the way, take a look at the promise here. When it says, and the God of peace will be with you, what it is actually saying is we do not just receive the gift of peace, but the more important thing is that we actually receive the giver of peace. Let me say it again. What we get here is not just the gift of peace, but what we do get is the giver of peace himself. And that is why I like the way it was written by Paul here when it says, and the God of peace will be with you. It is actually a greater blessing that we can have the person rather than just the gift. And I think more than anything else, that is really our reward. Now sometimes, as I grow on in years, I cannot help but come up with the realization that there's going to be a time it's going to be all over for me. Now, I don't know exactly when, when God will take me home. I don't know exactly when, when I would be promoted to heaven. But you know, sometimes I find myself fast-forwarding my life and moving to that time wherein I will meet the Lord. And I think, and I know, that the greatest blessing that I will ever receive in my life is to see my Savior face to face. That would be the greatest blessing ever in my life. And that is why here Paul is saying, we can ha actually have a taste of heaven here on earth. And how do we get that taste of heaven here on earth? By practicing what we have learned by obeying the Scriptures, by following the Word of God, by staying at the very center of God's will. Our reward would be the presence of God Himself. People in the world do not understand when we speak about, I sense the presence of God. I mean, when you talk about that, and I'm very careful when I share that, most especially to unbelievers, because I know they will not understand. They will think you're queer and you're weird or you're a wacko the moment you say, I sense the presence of God. But that is so true. That is one of the gifts that you and I have as believers in Christ. And the manifest presence of God becomes bigger, stronger, and somebody once said, that the presence of God was so thick. And, you know, sometimes it's really so difficult to come up with words to describe your encounter with God because we do have encounters with God. 
We do have experiences with God. We do sense the manifestation of God's presence in our lives. And it gets stronger and stronger when you and I grow in our spiritual lives, when you and I obey the Word of God, when we practice what is being taught to us. The presence of God is so strong and it is so powerful. And by the way, one of the things that I constantly pray for you because I do pray for you every day. Of course, not by name. There are so many of you. But here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is this. That you might have multiple encounters with God. And you know why I pray that? Because I know that when you have an encounter with God, it's going to change the way you live you will be very conscious and aware of the very presence of God. And when you are conscious and aware of the presence of God, you will be on your toes spiritually. You will behave, you will conduct yourself in a proper manner because you know God is watching. Because you sense His presence. And again, the way this presence comes to us is when you and I obey the Scriptures. And so this should be a great motivation on our part to really dig deep into God's Word, to really study the Word of God, to really meditate on it. And as we learn from the Holy Spirit, who is really our primary teacher, that we obey and follow it so that the blessing of God would just flow in our lives. Friends, you know, when I really think about it, the way God has moved in my life, the way I have encountered God, the way I have been blessed and favored by the Lord, it really goes beyond my imagination. It really goes beyond what I ever thought and aspired for. And the only explanation to that is, is that God is a rewarder. He rewards us for our faithfulness. He rewards us for our devotion. He rewards us for our obedience. I must admit there were times when obedience to the Word of God and submission to the will of God was was very difficult. And the only reason why it becomes difficult is because you're thinking about your own convenience. You're thinking about your own comfort. You do not want to move out of your comfort zones. And sometimes the Word of God or the will of God requires certain sacrifices in your life. There is a cost many times to obedience. And sometimes you just have to give up certain things. You just have to sacrifice certain things. And some of us are unwilling, of course, to let go of these things because they they satisfy us. They bring comfort to us. They are our comfort zones. Well, let me tell you, unless you really surrender yourself to the Lord and to His will, unless you get yourself to really obey the Word of God, you will not experience the fullness of life and the fullness of God's blessings upon you. And let me just tell you this. Our God is a generous God. Our God is a loving God. He just wants to lavish us 
with his goodness. He wants to lavish us with his, with his generosity. He wants to lavish us with, with his blessings. That's what God wants to do. But you see, sometimes we fall short of receiving what God has in store for us. Why? Because we're stubborn. Because we choose to do our own way. Because we refuse to follow what we have learned. And so, in truth, when we disobey God's word, who are we shortchanging? Well, we're really shortchanging ourselves. We're not receiving what God had designed for us. Now, joy and peace are the benefits we will receive from walking with God. I'd like to go to Isaiah 32, verse 17, and this is so wonderful. It says, and the work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and peace. All right? So can we together read this, this verse of Scripture just to um, have this in our memories? So at the count of three, please. One, two, let's read together. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness is quietness and peace. That's wonderful. That really sums up everything that we've been talking about this morning. All we really need to do is, is do works of righteousness, and when we do works of righteousness, there will be peace. And then it says the effect of righteousness is quietness and peace. Now, that does not at all mean to say that you will not encounter any adversity in your life. That does not in any way say or guarantee that there will be no storms in your life. No, there will be challenges, there will be issues, there will be storms, and there will be adversities. But the wonderful thing here is this, when you and I are walking in righteousness, when you and I are obeying God's word, you know what God will do? He will speak to you. He will speak to your heart. He will calm your heart. And many times, I recall during the times when I, I felt jittery, I felt that I was fretting over certain things, as I began to worship the Lord, the Lord would just begin to speak to me. He would speak to my heart. He would remind me of a verse of Scripture. I recall a time when there was anxiety in my heart, and God just remind, reminded me of 1 Peter, which says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. On other occasions, God would remind me, I am a covenant-keeping God. I am a promise-keeper. At times when you're worried about your own, uh, your own safety, your own health, he speaks to you and he says, I am your protector. I am your healer. He tells you, I am your deliverer. I recall a time when, again, I was going through a period of anxiety. God spoke to my heart and he said, Have I not delivered you from all your afflictions? So will I continue to deliver you from all your afflictions and adversities. That's what the presence of God brings on the table. That's how you and I have peace and joy. 
Because when the presence of God is strong, you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. You become sensitive to His voice. And so, again, that doesn't mean that you won't have adversity, but in the midst of adversity, God speaks to your heart. God reminds you of the Word of God. God reminds you of His promises. And before you know it, your heart just calms down. Your mind is still, and you are at peace. It may not change your surroundings. It might not change the, the antagonistic environment that you are in. Nevertheless, friends, the peace of God is priceless. There are some people, they have all the money in the world, but they're in constant panic. They have all the power in the world, but they have paranoia. Some people have a lot of possessions, but they can't sleep at night because they're worried, they're stressed out, they're under duress. And that's not the kind of life that God wants us to live. Again, let me just remind you, we can have a taste of heaven here on earth. And how does that happen? When the presence of God is there for you. Amen? When the presence of God is there for you. In contrast, however, if we insist to go against God's word, the Bible says there is no peace for the wicked. You can't, you can't go around that. There's no way you can escape the loss of God. Sin always results in unrest. Let me say it again. Sin always results in unrest. Right living is a necessary condition for us to experience the peace of God. And by the way, here's something very important. The peace of God is a test whether we are following the will of God or not. Let me bring you a verse of Scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace that Christ can, can give keep on acting as an umpire in your hearts. This is from another translation. Let it keep on acting as an umpire in your heart. Now, what does a referee do? What does an umpire do? Those of you who are into sports. An umpire and a referee tells you when you have made certain violations. All right? That's what a referee does. That's what an umpire does. You know what this verse is trying to say to us? When you have the peace of God, it tells you that you are following God. The moment, however, you disobey God, that peace is removed from you. And when that peace is removed from you, you know you have violated and transgressed the commandments of God. That's why the peace of God is, is really a wonderful gift to us. Because it is an umpire. It is a referee. It is the very thing. It is the thermometer, if you'd like to call it that way. 
It is the very thermometer of our own spiritual lives. So for as long as you have the peace of God, for as long as you have the presence of God, as for as long as there is stillness and calmness in your heart, you're on the right path. You're following God's Word. You're staying in God's will. And what a blessing that is to constantly walk in the presence and the peace of God. However, that's the very thing that is, that is the very first thing that is removed from us. The moment we disobey. That is why when David committed adultery and murder, what did he say? What was his prayer? Restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. He lost it. And remember we were saying joy and peace are what? They are Siamese twins. They go together. You can't have joy unless you have peace and you can't have peace unless you have joy. And David lost that. David was a prolific writer. He wrote so many psalms. He was a poet. And the reason why he was able to write those, those many psalms was because he was inspired by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was inspired by the Word of God. He was, he was constantly in the very presence of the Lord. And as a result of that, he was able to write down these things as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the moment he committed adultery, the moment he committed murder, he lost the peace and the joy. And he cried out to God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And God restored it back to David. How did he restore it back? He restored that joy and peace when David confessed his sin to Nathan the prophet. When he said to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned. And in the Psalms, in his penitential psalm, he said, Against thee, O Lord, have I sinned. And we need to do that. Whenever we fail, whenever we stumble, when we have not obeyed God's word, we just need to confess and we just need to resolve, Lord, beginning today, by your grace and by your power, I will walk in obedience to you. And then God will just reward you with His presence. He will reward you with peace and joy. So let me just end by saying this. What did we learn this morning? Well, what we need to do is we need to learn, we need to receive, and we need to hear, number one, the preaching of God's Word. But it's not enough to just hear learn and receive, we need to practice it. That's the second P. And once we practice what we have learned in the preaching, we go to the third, which is the promise, the promise of God's peace in our lives. Amen? And that's exactly what you and I want. So let's end in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning, O God. Thank You for speaking to our hearts, O God, and thank You for telling us what we need to do. Because, Lord, apart from Your grace, apart from Your mercies, Lord, we are nothing. Our prayer, O God, is that You might bring 
us into repentance and confession in regard to the things that have offended your heart. And Lord, we pray also that you will bring about a determination in our hearts for us to obey you, for us to follow your word, to follow what we have been taught. And our prayer, O God, is that you will grant us your peace, you will give us your presence, and Lord, that is priceless. We thank you, O God, and we thank you also for the opportunity to give our tithes, our grace gifts, our offerings. Lord, we pray, use it for the glory of your holy name. And whatever has been achieved today, we give you back all the glory, all the praises and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's come before the Lord for our last song. Let's uh, give the Lord a big hand, please. Yes, let's rise from our seats and let's call our worship team to…